You are listening to Half Torah, the Shir series which explores the connections between the Parsha Shavuot and its corresponding Half Torah. And here at the database of Rabbi Shah Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parshas Mishpatim, but as was mentioned earlier this week, it is also the week of Parshas Shkalim. As is the case most years, Mishpatim and Shkalim almost always coincide. There are very rare occasions where they do not on certain leap years when we read the regular Haftarah for Parshas Mishpatim, but again, it's a very rarely read Haftarah, which we spoke about in the previous Haftarah Shir. But for the second installment of Haftarah this week, we're going to be looking at the actual Haftarah for this week, which is the Haftarah for Parshas Shkalem. So the reading, the Torah reading, that is, for Parshas Shkalem comes from the beginning of Parshas Kisisa, which literally discusses the Machtas HaShekel, that is the whole point of Parshas Shkalem. It was an annual reminder just before Rosh Chodesh Adar that there is this mitzvah of Machtas HaShekel where Klai Yisrael has to pay up their Machtas HaShekel, which is being collected for the purposes of upkeep of the Beis HaMikdash. In the times of the Torah, obviously, it was in connection to the Mishkan, but uh, they would collect this Machtas HaShekel, one half shekel per every Jew, and the point um, the, the different reasons we find are brought for the Machtas HaShekel, whether it's for general upkeep of the Beis HaMikdash or for the Karbanos Tamid. And Ram Rashi Torah also discusses the uh, the Bekalakul Golas when it came to the Adonim, the, the Sockets. So there are various trumos that were collected throughout, um, you know, throughout history. And for all those different purposes. And the Machsas HaShekel, which was meant to be collected at, um, at the beginning of Chodesh Nisan, the reminder went out at just before Chodesh Adar to get everybody ready. And of course, as we mentioned, you could find in the Parsha Panorama archives where we discussed Parsha Shkalim in depth, um, where we spoke about deeper meanings of Parsha Shkalim as well as Parsha Paradise, actually, last year. In that series as well, we spoke about um, the meaning and purpose of Parshas Shkalim even today. And we'll even perhaps come back to that in our discussion of the Haftarah. But what I want to first focus on is, of course, the actual Haftarah that we read for Parshas Shkalim and why it is that we use that particular reading. And, well, before we get there, I'll mention that the Haftarah itself comes from Sefer Malachim Beis. I believe it's our second Haftarah to be featured from Malachim Beis. The first one that we had in the past was Par- um, Parshas Vaera, which was taken from Malachim Beis, Parak Dalad, the story, stories of Elisha, and so on and so forth. Um, we've had other Haftarahs from Sefer Malachim, which were Malachim Aleph, so Parshas Chayisar was from Malachim Aleph. We also had Parshas Vayechi, which was from Malachim Aleph, but be that as it may, we are looking at at uh, Sefer Malachim once again, and this time it is for um, not um, not the last time that we'll be seeing it in the next um, in the next few weeks. Or excuse me, it actually is because um, I, I was thinking of the Haftarah for Parshas Truma, which is coming up next week. But that Haftarah, in fact, is not from Malachim because that is actually from Malachim Aleph, um, and. What I also neglected to mention is we had a Haftarah from Melachim Aleph for Parshas Miketz, the times when Miketz doesn't coincide with Shabbos Chanukah, another very rare occasion. We do read a Haftarah from Melachim Aleph in Parak Gimel. Um, but while our attention is on other parts of Melachim, um, and I'm not just doing this for no reason, not just for trivia, uh, but 
Um, when we discuss Haftarah choices, so what we have been doing in the past and will continue to do today at this moment is to try to see if this is the best choice or if there's perhaps an alternative choice. Because the very simple connection that we find between Shkolim, Parsha Shkolim, the concept of collecting the money, um, and the actual Haftarah that we're going to take a look at is there seems to be a connection um, with regards to money collections. That's in fact what happens in our Haftarah. We'll get more specific soon, but there is a collection of money, and it does pertain to the Beis HaMikdash. But my question is, why is the selection from Malachim Beis a better selection, say, than the selection that we find in Parshish Truma, which we're going to be reading next week anyway, uh, presumably, if my calculation is correct. So after Parshish Mishpat, we have Parshish Truma. And Truma actually begins its own mini-series, which we'll discuss next week, but a little bit of a spoiler, there is this sort of Mishkan series that's coming up, not just in the Parshish HaShavua, but even in the Haftaras, there seems to be a, proje- um, a progression, as we'll see. But the Haftara for Parshish Truma, to give another little spoiler, is taken from Malachim Aleph, and is taken from a certain point in the middle of uh, Parak Hay, and it goes through Parak Vav, but there, the collection is being made for the Beis HaMikdash. And it, it describes the beginning of the process, the, the tax that was collected for the Beis HaMikdash. So, okay, we have, you know, we have, and it, it makes sense in Shruma because Shruma begins the discussion of the Mishkan, which once again, we will be talking about that next week, Bezraz Hashem. But right now, also, the Shkalim that was collected, there was a Truma collected in Parshish Truma, and part of which involved the, the Maxis HaShekah, when, when they donated silver, that was the purpose. So, you have that, and now we have Parshish Shkalim, which, again, is, a, is another money collection. So, what we will not do tonight is go into the specifics of the Haftarah for Parshish Truma, because, well, that's, that's a next week discussion, obviously, but my point in pointing it out is that, okay, we have one money collection here, one money collection there, so what's the difference between the two money collections? And is it just all about the Benjamins? Is it just all about the money? Right, so um, that's really um, what I want to focus on here, is to try to pinpoint what exactly is the difference between those two money collections. Now, the only way we can perfectly do that justice is by you listening to this share and then tuning back in next week. Oh, well, you'll have to tune in then. But what we will focus on today is the actual Haftarah choice that we um, have gone along with. And that is, and then when I say we, I mean our Mesorah, our tradition. And that is obviously um, the, the, the Haftarah, which I keep on mentioning, which is from Sefer Malachim Beis. And this Haftarah, it actually depends. Um, it, it is subject to different Mesorah, depending on your Nusach, we'll call it, if you're um, Ashkenaz or if you're Sfard. So the, uh, the, the, the Sfardi Haftarah actually begins in the middle of Perak Yud Aleph, Perak 11 of Malachim Beis, whereas the Ashkenazic Haftarah begins from just Perak Yud Beis. So what does the Sfardi Haftarah add? We'll talk about that soon. But what is the story revolving around anyway, this money collection that I keep on referencing? 
And it revolves around the money collection that was done in the times of Yehoash Melech Yehuda. And Yehoash has a very interesting backstory. You get a little bit of the backstory if you read the Sephardic Haftarah, which begins in Perak Yud Aleph Pasuk Yud Zion, but it barely gives you the, 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 the background needed to really appreciate who Yehoash was. Um, and even then, you still don't have enough information to know the tragic uh, story revolving around Yehoash. You would have to see Divrei Hayyamim to really know about the unfortunate end. But the basic story, we get some background again from uh, from the Svartik Haftarah, and that is that at the, there was this really crazy lady, her name was Atalia, and she was this renegade, this woman, this queen, so to speak, who tried to, and she only really was the queen because she tried to usurp the throne of Yehuda from her entire family. So um, the, um, her, her son, Achazia, was the king at the time, but when he passed away, she decided she wanted to be the king. Like, that's the only really the real way I can I can describe it, because it doesn't even really call her a queen. It just says that she wanted the throne herself, meaning it, wasn't, it didn't seem like she wanted to, uh, to, to share the throne with anyone, with, say, a husband. It just says that, it says, V'atalya molechas al ha'aretz, it says in, in, in Parakid Aleph. And she not only usurped the throne, but she actually exterminated all of her you know, all of her family members so that they would not be able to take the throne. You, know, you find this with really crazy, insane dictators, but that was Atalia. However, there was one um, member of the family, one offspring from the family that was spared, and his name was Yehoash. And as a baby, he was spared by Yehoyada, uh, who was the Kohen Gadol at the time. Yehoyada made um, extra care to take uh, to take care of him and to have bodyguards in the base Hamikdash that would that would uh, guard him. And it was when he was seven years old that Yehoash took the throne. And um, at the, during the times of Atalia, she wasn't just a crazy lady who wanted um, you know the throne, but she was also very pro of Odazara. And she brought back the rise of many different kinds of Vodazara, particularly Baal, among others. And so, when it, when it finally uh, happened that they that Yehoyada um, and uh, and Yehoash were ready to kind of show themselves, um, it ended up happening. And you can look in Parakid Aleph of Sefer Malachim base to see the full story. But ultimately, they they um, they, they kill Atalia. And Yehoash takes the throne. And so that's a good part of the story. The unfortunate part of the story, which is in Divrei HaYamim, is what happens after Yehoyada dies, where his son, Zechariah HaKohen, so he becomes the Navi of the time, and the Pasuk in Divrei HaYamim tells us that Yehoash did not recall the chesed that Yehoyada had done him. And again, you find none of this in Malachim. So for Malachim, you look at Yehoash, you'd say he's a pretty good king, pretty good guy. Um, and, you know, he mostly followed the path of David HaMelech in terms of following Hashem to the best that he could. Um, but what you won't find in Malachim is what, what's recorded in Divrei HaYamim in Perak Chaf Dalad, I believe. And what, what happens there is that um, when Zechariah is the Kohen, and um, and and the navi, and he rebukes Klal Yisrael 
And Kalal decides to turn on him, and they and with with Yehoash's authorization, they somehow got Yehoash to turn against um, Yehoyada, even though Yehoyada wasn't alive, but it was his son. And because they didn't recall the chesed that was done, so Yehoash ended up allowing Zechariah to be stoned to death. And we have a whole kina in in, uh, in Antishabav that's devoted to this terrible tragedy, the, the, the assassination and the execution of Zechariah, HaKohen, and Hanavi. Um, you know, it's in Tochal and Nash Imperia. Um, so it's a very, you know, it's a very uh, tragic story. But that's not what our Haftar is about. But I thought it's important just to get a picture of Yehoash, who started off really good, and then he has this very unfortunate end um, in, 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 in a place where you wouldn't even know to look, um, and especially not in our Haftarah. That said, Yehoash does something really good in our Haftarah. So what does Yehoash do that's good? Now that I've just given you um, a not-so-nice picture of him. So the Haftarah picks up, again, if, if, if we're going with the Ashkenazic um, tradition. So it tells us that Yehoash takes the throne at age seven. And, it's, and it tells us exactly when he reigned. And again, the, the Navi tells us all the good things about him, that he mostly uh, mostly followed the, the, the path of Ratzon Hashem. And what he did was he actually reinstated the collection of the Mach to Sashakel. Right, so it says, um, to give you specifics, it says, Vayomer Yehoash el HaKohanim kol al-Kesef HaKadoshim asher yuvah beis Hashem Kesef over ish Kesef nashos erko kol Kesef asher yalev ish lavi beis Hashem so what does that all mean? Means that Yehoash says to the Kohanim, all of the money for holy purposes that is brought to the Temple of Hashem, whether the money of those who pass through, which is a reference to the Machs Hashakel, or any money of personal valuation, known as the the um, Arachin, or any money that a man's heart may move him to bring to the Temple of Hashem, right? He just has a churma and a divas slave. He just wants to give something over. So he says, so says uh, Yehoash, that all of that money should be brought to the Beis HaMikdash so that we can do renovations. Why were renovations necessary? Because during Atalia's um, insane reign, um, the uh, Avodah was rampant, and a lot of different things were, I don't know if I would say they were destroyed in the base of Megdash, but definitely um, there was need for renovations. I guess there was a lot of damage done, and and because of that, the, the repairs were necessary in the base of Megdash. What's very fascinating is that the Haftarah tells us that for some reason or another, and it's very not specific, but it says that even though Yehoash ordered that they should um, they should work on the upkeep, they should renovate the the basic Badak. But what happened? It tells us that in the twenty third reign, the twenty third year of Yehoash's reign, they didn't do it. So what happened? So the chashash, it seems that the Kohanim were pocketing the money, which might, in, 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 for, and let's say we're being completely down the Kav Chov, you know, just tells us about the state of the nation of Kleinstral at the time. You know, there were other times in history where Kohanim were acting corruptly. And it seems that the Kohanim were just not mechazik, the bad it's like they were supposed to, they didn't do the renovations. So what happens? So Yehoash calls to Yehoyada the Kohen and to the Kohen, and he says to them, It's interesting, it doesn't say he asks them, he says to them, why didn't you do it? Uh, meaning, he's really, what he's really pointing out is, that was your responsibility, and you didn't do it. 
says, don't you know, start collecting money, don't pocket the money, or don't hold on to the money yourself. Don't use it for your own purposes. So again, he tells them that this is your responsibility. And what does, and what happens next? So the Nabi tells us, Yoyada takes a box, and it goes on to tell us that he drills a hole in it, and he places it next to the Mizbeach. And he makes, and this is perhaps the first time that we ever hear of this in Tanakh, but he's, it seems that he makes the very first pushka, the very first sedaka box, and he puts that box next to the Mizbeach, and instead of the Kohanim holding on to the money, very nice institution, they make a pushka, the money goes there. And that seems to be the story. And then, then after that, they, they, they do all the renovations, and the Navi goes on to describe um, all, the different, um, all the different kinds of workers, whether they were carpenters, or you know the, there were people who, the masons and the stone hewers, all the different kinds of people were going to repair all the different parts of the of the Beis Hamikdash that had not been repaired up until that point, and then it tells us after that that um, that there that, that there were there was certain money that that got to go to the Kohanim. It says, um, um, well, once they did everything that they were supposed to do, the pasuk tells us at the end, very nice pasuk. It says. The, they did not make an accounting with the men into whose hand they gave the money to pay out to the workmen because they acted with integrity, uh, sounding like everyone did exactly what they were supposed to do, that the, that the, that the Kohanim um, at this point were acting very responsibly. And then it says, uh, Nonetheless, um, the, the leftover money for the guilt offerings, the uh, right, the Asham the offerings, and leftover money for the chatas offerings, they were not brought to the to the base of Megdash. Those were given to the Kohanim. Those were for the Kohanim's purposes, their usage. They can use it however they wanted. But that's really the story of our Aftar. So a nice little story um, about, uh, again, a money collection. That's really, that's really what it comes down to, and just the right way to deal with the money. It's a, you know, it's, it sounds like you know, there's like a treasury kind of issue. Um, you know, they, they, they needed, you know, some good accountant on the team to make sure that the money was being taken care of and, and it was being tracked and, tra- and, and traced properly and then that the money would go where, where it had to go. Okay, fine. So the question is, you know, what's so special about this money collection? Because there, as I mentioned, there's another money collection in Malachim Aleph, um, Parak, Hay, and Vav. And that's the Haftar for Parshish Truma. And what was that collection? That was Shlomo HaMelech's collection for the Beis HaMikdash. Right, so why is Yehoash and Yehoyada's collection for the repairs of the Mikdash um, the center of our attention for Parshish Shkalim? So what I want to suggest is one answer that you might not like first, and then I'll suggest another answer. The other, um, and the, the, the first answer that you might not like is well, you know, we try to dip in from many different options of Haftaris, and if you have similar readings, so we try to spread it out a little bit. We said something similar to that as a suggestion to explain different shiros, for example, the songs of Bishalach, um, Rekriyasayam, Shirasayam, so that, that whole, that, so we had one Haftarah from Shoftim, which has the song of Devorah, and yet when you read Kriyasayam Sifan Pesach, we read a different song, the song, which is the same Haftarah for Hazinu, the song of David HaMelech, and we didn't give full answers to those, and Bezras Shem we will, but the point is that even that, even right now, I don't think it's a full answer, but 
but what what can perhaps suffice is to say that okay, we have you know when, when it came to the building of the base on Megdash, the very first base on Megdash, so that coincides with Truma, the very uh, you know the the beginning the 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 early stages of building the Mishkan, right? It wasn't built in Parshas Truma, but we get the command in Parshas Truma. So we have the description of the building of the Beis Hamikdash, or at least the command um, and the collection that took place um, for you know in Malachim Aleph with Shlomo HaMelech. Nothing wrong with that. So then, if that's true, and then you might say, okay, fine. So when's the next big money collection? So that takes place here in Malachim Beis when Yehoash wanted to do the renovations. So it just makes sense to put the next reading for the next money collection. So Shkalim is our next money collection, Parsha, that we want to highlight with a Haftarah. Okay, so we'll, we'll take it from Malachim Beis and, and take a look at the story of Yehoash and, and Yehoyada HaKohen. So I want to suggest that there's that, but maybe a little bit more, if I may. And the suggestion really has to do with what Machtas HaShekel really was, right? Because... Is it really just all about the Benjamins? Money here, money there, money, 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 and uh, and and I think it's it's really more than that because Parshas Truma was really um, even though there were certain aspects of Parshas Truma that were binding for generations, right? For example, just the command of having a base of Mikdash, having an Arab Yisuli Mikdash. So there are discussions in the Rishonim about which of those commandments were binding for generations. You can look in the Sefer HaChinuch and you can see the Sefer Mitzvahs of the Rambam and see how the Ramban responds. And there, there, there's much to be said there. Um, that I will not be getting into now, but uh, my Rebbe of Jonas and Sachs has delivered many such shirim on the topic. But, but be that as it may, the Mishkan we know for sure, the Mishkan itself was what we might think of as a haras shah. It was a one-time thing where the, the destiny was always to have a, a bigger base on Migdash, the real thing in Eretz Yisrael. We weren't, we certainly weren't going to be living in the in the wilderness for our entire existence and just rely on the Mishkan. So the Mishkan was really that one-time thing, and even the first base on Migdash, which is a certain sense of kavias, it is the base olamim, the house of eternity. But the first base on Migdash, um, I mean, we know. Did it, um, ultimately would not necessarily last, and especially, um, and and even when it, the 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 intention and the goal was that it would last, that we would have the base on Migdash for as long as possible, right? The, the, it, certainly, the plan wasn't for it to be destroyed, at least not Klalistral's plan, right? Um, and had we done everything well, it wouldn't have been Hashem's plan either. But the base on Migdash, which initially was built. There would still be a machzus hashakel that would be collected, right? It wasn't like the machzus hashakel was collected for the building of the base hamikdash alone. It was built for the upkeep of the base hamikdash, for any you know any any renovations that needed to be done, any repairs that had to be um, done on the mikdash. So that was what the machzus hashakel was for, for karbanos that were coming in the future, whether it was karbanos or temple upkeep. But the point is. It is the continuity, the continuation, the hemsheikh, right? the, the, the continued services that are needed for the Mikdash to keep us connected to Hashem through our service in the Mikdash. That was really what the Machzah Sashakil was for. And I believe the Machzah Sashakil is what connects us to generations past. Now, this is true, I would say, even in 
a post-Besamigdash world, the current one that we live in at the moment of this recording, where we don't have the Besamigdash, unfortunately, but there is yet still a minhag of the Ma'achs And not only that, we know that the Ma'achs has a long-lasting impact, as the Gemara in Megillah says, that Hashem preempted these shekels of Haman. Hashem saw in advance that there was going to be a Haman who was going to weigh out shekels and try to use those to destroy the Bnei Israel. So Hashem created a Kofar Benafsho, a ransom from our souls, through the midst of Ma'achs shekel, whereby we can pay a shekel ahead of time and counteract the shekels of our of our enemies. So we have that institution, again, generations ahead for what would be generations later. And the point is that Ma'achta Shekel therefore remains relevant even later. It remains relevant even even after the Beis HaMikdash is originally built, and after we have a Mishkan, whatever, whichever house of Hashem you're holding by at the time, the point is that there's still a Machsa Shekel that is necessary to be collected for whatever should be required for repair of that, of the, of that Mikdash later. And that's really what we get in this Haftarah. Right? Because this Haftarah comes at a time where things were lax in our Avodah Hashem, things were lax in the Beis HaMikdash, repairs needed to be done. And, that's, and, and I want to argue that the Haftarah alludes not just to physical repairs of the building, but it alludes to the spiritual repairs. And I think this is why the Sardik Haftarah begins and tells us in Parakid Aleph of Sefer Malachim, it describes at, um, at length how um, a bris was forged by Yehoyada HaKohen, and the goal of this bris was to remove all of the, um, to, and to destroy the the images and the idols of Baal um, talks about the um, the execution of Matan, who was the Kohen of Baal. So we have this eradication of Avodah happening right before Yehoash's his collection of uh, of the money that was needed. In other words, the spiritual repairs that needed to be done for that generation of the Beis Hamikdash. It was a later generation of that first Beis Hamikdash, but again they were revisiting because they saw something wrong with their avoda, their avoda Hashem, and it required a new collection, a new kofar benafsho, a new ransom for their souls, a new paying up of something to make some kind of sacrifice for what's important. And even in the simple housekeeping aspect of this haftarah, that, oh, the question of how we manage the money, and who's pocketing the money, and who's taking charge, and who's taking care of the money, and just building a box literally just putting a pushka in the Beis HaMikdash so that everyone knew, okay, this is where the money is and we're going to be very careful to take care of it, creating a machshava in our minds that says, okay, the money is not just, you know, wishy-washy that we don't know where it's going, but we have a careful machshava of where the money is going and also not just a machshava, not just in thought, but in action as well to say, Hey, this money actually doesn't belong to me. This is this is kudshim. This is this is hektish. This is money that uh, that belongs to Hashem. To realize that, realize where your assets come from. That is another one of the important aspects of of shkalim, parsha shkalim, which teaches us that our money really doesn't belong to us. Hashem asks us to give a half shekel, and yes, Hashem asks us to do a lot of things in His Torah, and we do all those things with the recognition that. La Hashem Haaretzim Loa, that the whole world belongs to Hashem, certainly our money. 
And if we know it's good for us, we know we, 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 will, we, will, we will put our money where it needs to. Hashem gives us the gift of money, we will know how to use it. In Kesef Talva, for example, um, that if you have money, you're going to use it for a mitzvah, to lend it out to someone who needs it, or even to give it as tzedakah. But that is what I think is being, is being touched on and uh, hit on in, uh, in this Haftarah. It's the very idea of even the future needs of Shkalim, future funds recognizing that that money belongs not to us but to Hashem, and therefore it's in our best interest to use it for that purpose of Kofar Benafsho. And of course, the Bedekabayas, not just for the physical base and leadership, but as Hashem, we should see it from Harabimenu, but also the upkeep, the temple upkeep that has to be happening in our own lives, whether it's our Mikdash Ma'at at home, our Mikdash Ma'at in the community, the Shul or our own general avoda, we are our own mikdash, right? We, just to allude to an idea of Parshish Truma, which is coming up, Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, from the Sefer Charedim, and the idea of the Alshech, that Vyasuli Mikdash Veshechanti Besocham, that Hashem is going to dwell among us. In our own lives, we need to be revisiting our own Mikdash within ourselves and say, hey, what needs repairs? What needs renovations? And there's no better time to do that than with Parshash Shkalim, when we are considering what to do with our um, with, with our with our money, and we have the mitzvah of the Machsa Shakel coming up as well with with Purim on Tainus Esther, but but the but the Cheshbon and Nefesh that has to happen, and I think Cheshbon is the is the appropriate word, the calculation, just like you have a Cheshbon with money, but we have a Cheshbon with ourselves and our neshamas, the Cheshbon and Nefesh, to look into our spiritual lives, see what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, and also see what we're doing with our money, because that is. Every um, a bit as important and every bit as relevant to our spiritual life as it is to our financial lives is what we do with our money. We show Hashem how we use our money, what's um, what, what's important to us, and uh, to put our money where our mouth is, or to put our money where our heart is, um, in in terms of our avodas Hashem. And I, I think that is really the the, the, the key message of of Parsha Shkalim as it pertains to this haftara as well from Malachim Beis and. Give us a bracha that we should know how to use our money properly, that we should um, revisit our own mikdash and all the different mikdashos um, in our lives and to make sure we're, we're doing the necessary renovations and putting the money um, where it needs to for those renovations. And not only that, but we should also be zocha to see the rebuilding of the actual base of mikdash to be able to give our machzah sashakil there, but as Hashem amenu. Until next time, thank you for joining us here at the database, and I also neglected to mention um, that, that this year is dedicated to Lilinish Masimin Rasi Chayrachal, Vastavitzvi, Harani Kaparsan Shkava, and while we're talking about the Kapara, the Kofar Benafsh of the money, of the Shkalim, so, and then while we're here, I'll also mention that if you enjoy sharing like this and others on the podcast and you want to partner up with us with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group, where, we're at, where I post links for every uploaded share, where I post the links for reruns by, by the Parsha. All you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. And have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for joining us here at The Database.